1: Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We have a special guest, somebody that's been in the military in the past eight-plus years of experience. He really got into real estate back in 2007, but all because he wanted to get that financial freedom, that time freedom, right, to be able to spend more time with family and loved ones. What's cool about this guy is that he's actually investing in land, You know, like that old saying out there that they stopped making land a long time ago. This is so true. And it's really cool because not that many investors nationwide are really focusing on the land stuff. You know, everybody and their grandmother's doing fix and flips or rentals or wholesaling, whatever it may be, or or syndications and multifamily. But this gentleman is focusing on building systems around flipping land, holding on them, wholesaling and so forth. So he's going to dive into it. Without further ado, Brent, what's going on, man? How you doing today? I'm really good, Brandon. Thanks for
0: having me, actually. And hello, Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Community. I'm so happy to be with you guys and here to serve. We're gonna have a great time. I'm a little nervous because this is on video on Facebook. My mom always told me I had the face for radio. So, you know, don't judge me too hard. Give me some laugh buttons and even maybe some love buttons too. But I'm doing really good. It's Thursday. I go to Florida on Sunday, so I'm really excited.
1: Nice, man. Well, I'm excited to have you here as well. And I know the listeners will be also, I got my pen and paper ready to take some notes because I know you're talking a little bit about this previously on a phone call, but I was just blown away with some of the different things you are doing within your investing strategies. So without further ado, anybody out there that doesn't know a little bit more of who you are, what you do and so forth, do you mind just diving into, you know, a little bit more of your background and, and what you're focusing on? Yeah,
0: absolutely. I'll jump right into it. Um, You know, you hit it on the head. You know, I got into real estate in 2007 because I really wanted to be somebody. And I noticed that people in real estate were somebody, they were doing big things. And then later that goal changed. It was time freedom, money freedom, all this freedom. And I see a lot of people get into real estate and they're uber successful but they have no time freedom. Their money is like a roller coaster. So they don't really have money freedom. So I was always thinking and and like looking for a mentor in a way of how I could be just a little bit different, but also be in real estate because we know that millionaires are created in real estate, but do they have plenty of time? Can they go on vacation whenever they want? And I can honestly say my life was not always like that. 2007, I bought my first house. And then it turned into a rental property very soon after that. This house, I actually had to buy or borrow $1,000 from my great grandmother. She was not flipping houses. She didn't really understand much about real estate, but I had also just gotten my real estate license right before I purchased this house. So I'm really smart. Like I go and get one of those loans that they're just handing out back in 2007. A lot of people probably remember that and no income verification, all that stuff. It was super easy. However, I had income, but I got like $3,000 back from my real estate commission when I purchased this house. So that allowed me to pay great grandma off. And then I also got a home equity line of credit because the house needed repairs, you name it. Well, long story short, I had about $135,000 in debt on this house, and then I soon moved out of this house within a couple months because I wanted to utilize that real estate license on the coast in West Palm Beach. So I rent this house out for $900 a month. The mortgage was $750, so you do the math. It's like $150 a month net each month. I'm now a smart real estate investor, and I've got a real estate license but let me tell you what happens when you're only getting $150 a month net each month. Things break, and they always are over $150. I mean, things aren't yeah. breaking every month, but it was there's things breaking, like septic systems and you name it. Well, 2008 happened, and things were just melting down all around, and I knew I needed – maybe to do something a little different than real estate. I mean, I wasn't selling too many houses, but I was driving people around in my car all day to find them rental properties. And I would try and show up like 30 minutes early to the rental house, open all the windows in Florida, turn the AC on, get the mold smell out of there and the cat peat smell just so they would rent this house. I can make my 300 bucks for the week. And that's how bad it was, was getting for me in 2008. So I knew I needed something different. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go back to school, but I really can't pay for it. But the military says they will pay for me to go to school. So I joined the military before I know it. Six months later, I'm in Afghanistan for my first deployment. I got people out in front of me dancing (laughs) in front of me while I'm doing this. But um, I'm in Afghanistan for exactly almost like three days shy of one year. And the military is great, but you're always gone. I was always gone. I was in Germany for three years, so it pretty much put a hold on my real estate investing. So fast forward, military sees something great in me. They wanna make me an officer. They send me to Florida. I am back in real estate. I am now local and we're gonna do some real estate. And I started wholesaling properties, wholesaling houses. I just needed to make extra income to pay for this school. Well. (laughs) this was a hustle as anybody in real estate knows. So I kind of stumbled into this land thing and I also mailed that. I mailed with, which was, I found the land list through a tax delinquent list and I mailed the vacant parcels, the parcels that had no houses on it, had no shed, no driveway, no septic, no well. And so, so but,
1: why, why'd you focus on that? You know, like most people wouldn't focus on that, right? They would exclude that list, but you so actually was, targeted that. I agree. And
0: I was told to exclude that list by okay. my yeah. mentor that showed me how to wholesale houses. Well, I was struggling trying to wholesale houses. Like I would get a deal or two and it would come through. And then we ended up moving to Colorado with the army. And then I heard a podcast from a guy And he was talking about how he was investing in tax liens and yada, yada. And I was like, wait a minute. He's having so much success going to the auction and buying these tax liens and then taking this land and turning around and selling it. Why don't I catch these people before they go to the tax lien, help these sellers not to lose their land. And I give them an offer that works for them so they don't just lose everything. So I mailed that same postcard. I was mailing these ugly, nasty, stinky cat pee houses that I had to throw away my shoes before I walk into the house because I didn't wanna bring in that stuff home. I mailed that same postcard to these landowners that were behind on taxes. And I kid you not, my phone exploded. And I, I just knew I was onto something. And the very first one I did, I actually did two deals back to back, but I'm going to talk about the one of the first two. It was from a CPA that traded his services for a piece of land that was not buildable. And it was overlooking the Pike National Forest. I bought this land for I think 325, 285 or 325. One of those numbers, it was several years ago. And I called the real estate office down the road from the land to ask, what it was worth. And I hadn't paid the seller yet, but he agreed to sell it to me for, let's just call it 325, it was 285 or 325. I'll look at the numbers like I'm not so sketchy on it, but it was a small amount of money. I knew I can come up with that money. Sure. Well, I called the real estate office and asked like, hey, Realtor, what do you think I could blow this land out for? I want to sell it in 30 days. She said, maybe $10,000 on the MLS. And I was like shocked. For non-buildable land? I was like, you know where I'm talking about, right? Like it's up here on this hill. She was, no, I know exactly where it's at. I know exactly what's holding this property up from being built. They just needed to put in another road over the railroad tracks. So the firefighters had an ingress and egress for two streets. So they can come and go and not get yeah. pinned down in a fire. So I was like, great. So I hung up with her. Five minutes later, she called me back. She said, hey, what do you think if I were to purchase the land from you? And I was, I was still shocked and I was like, well, what are you offering? She said, "I could do five thousand dollars." And me, being the amazing negotiator that I am, I was like, uh, "When do you want it?"
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so I
0: love it. <laughs> he said, "I could probably close on Tuesday or Wednesday. It was Wednesday next week, and this is a Saturday." I'm talking to her on the phone. Me and my wife had just left the land. It was like an hour away from our house. Okay. So I said, "Let's do it. Send me the contract and." I called the seller of the land, I said, let's meet on Tuesday, let's do a deed, so he, he literally brought me the deed to the land, it was a quick claim deed, which I didn't understand what that was all about, but he had gave me the quick claim deed at a coffee shop right next to the army base on Fort Carson, and Wednesday, the very next day, I went and got my $5,000 check, well, I gave them the deed, <laughs> yeah. I emailed the title agent the deed, and got my $5,000 check the next day, and I was hooked. Oh, so i love that
1: so that was the very first one that was quick easy in and out and so why like the seller he just didn't know what it was valued at he didn't oh, ever he try
0: he knew he did. He just had a limiting belief that i can't sell a piece of land that's not buildable.
1: okay so the limitations basically just held him back from actually like doing any additional research or seeing if anybody else wanted it yeah. He traded
0: it for his services like 10 years ago. He'd been paying the taxes on it. He finally just stopped paying the taxes. And I mean, I don't know if he knew it was worth a quick 5,000 or, yeah. or 10,000, but he knew it was worth something because when you step foot on this land, like it's almost like, is this a joke? Like yeah. I'm still wondering what happened. I've done several more deals in that area today. I actually just got like 19 of those under contract and we've got a developer that's spent like almost, I think, $500,000 to get this road in. So he's wanting to buy all 19 of them from us. So it's just, I don't know. That's powerful, kind of, man.
1: That's it was. powerful. So yeah, you know, being the resolution though, like the service, that middleman to be able to create that win-win situation, you took a problem off his hands. You found somebody else that wanted to capitalize on that opportunity as well. And you were able to get that chunk in between, which is awesome. Yeah, I think that's an amazing first type of deal. And obviously that was the fire that kind of sparked it off. But what did the process look like after that, shortly after knowing that like, okay, this just worked. Like, what do I need to do to be able to start scaling this and getting a ton of these deals on a weekly basis so I can stop showing these rentals?
0: <laughs> I wish I could say I built a system within like a month and started like, you know, building the land buying system and the land selling system. But you know, the, next, the okay. next one, I kind of failed forward a little bit more. I bought okay. a no- another non-buildable piece of land. This was like right within a few days of this one happening, which was crazy. I didn't believe it was real until like the third deal. This one, I was like, I'm going to hold financing on and I'm going to get a good chunk of money on this one because I wanted to start doing the passive income. So the next one, it was $500 and it was a few acres, but this time this one was not even accessible. I had to trespass on state land to get to this parcel of land. But once again another amazing piece of land had trees and deer and turkey going through it so i was like i'm going to sell this to any hunter that comes and it butted up to state land but long story short it was not buildable because you couldn't access it but a realtor told me he's like look you know you get an attorney an attorney can figure that out i still don't know who this attorney is but That's how I set it on Craigslist at the time. I was selling all these on Craigslist at the time, but I was like, look, the land is not buildable. You can't access it. You gotta get an attorney. Hence why the price is so cheap. So I put it out there for $5,000 total. I think it was 500 down and $500 a month or for like nine months is what it worked out to. So I got a buyer like yesterday on it. And I'll tell you what, I actually sent him a, a message like a year after he purchased it for me. And I asked him if I could buy it back from him because I sold it way too cheap. <laughs> it's like a $50,000 property. But long story short, I had now built my monthly payments. And then we just started replicating that and then started getting, buying more. And then we eventually run out of tax delinquent land. So we start, start mailing all the land. And I want to give your listeners the
1: steps of how we do this is this a good time or do you want to go into that later? Yeah. So I think just first like before we jump into that, because I am going to get down to the meat and potatoes of like how to, but okay. I'm, I'm just curious, like somebody that is a successful real estate investor as is like, why would they consider doing the, you know, investing in vacant land? Well, the reason
0: why I did it and we eventually got that wholesaling and flipping business off the ground and it's doing yeah. very well. But I compare the two. I track the KPIs, key performance indicators, how much I have to spend to get how this many leads and how many dollars I have to spend to get this many dollars back in. And my land business crushes it, crushes it on KPIs. Like it makes Bernie Madoff stuff look like little tiny bananas, <laughs> child's play. But no, not that we're... We're ripping anybody off, but I'm yeah. just saying, like comparing the two. And as well as, I also look at time. What gives me more heartburn is flipping a house or renters. I'm sorry, rentals. No, I, I yeah. remember the first renters. Even though I have property management, I mean, we've got a couple houses right behind our office. You know, they're always needing a plumber, they're always needing this, or one of them's in an the HOA and the landscape doesn't abide by their codes. Well, I never get any of those calls. I am just shy, a few notes shy of 100 notes now. We had some guys pay off. I was a little over 100 last month, but we I can tell you on one hand how many phone calls we get every quarter from our land buyers. The biggest question is, hey, what do I have to do to submit to start building? Or can I build a fence or hey, why did my payment not come out on the first? out of the bank account. Those are the questions we get compared to the flip houses, compared to the rentals. So that's why a successful investor would need to look at this. Now, I would always recommend is make sure you have one thing automated and delegated before you start building another thing. But what's cool about land is you can keep using the same mail house. You can keep using the same letter, the same postcard. Only thing you have to add is our distribution, our mediums, how we sell this land, might be a little bit different than how you're dispoing your houses. Our dispo? It's a, you're still dispoing something as far as dispositioning it and selling it, but the systems are very similar. So you can really add land without you know stunting the growth of your other companies, and that's what I was trying to do with our wholesaling and flipping houses at the same time because I was an army officer. Yeah. While building a wholesaling flipping company, while building a land company. So there wasn't a lot of time freedom. You know, my wife for a couple of years was just like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you're always working, but we just had to. And now I have a team that that does all these things. So hence, why I'm out showing people how to buy and sell land and teaching other people how to do it
1: love it i love it so let's let's dive into the meat and potatoes of how to if somebody's just getting started or a coaching student of yours potentially what does that look like for them the first how to step one is pick the area you want to be in now let me just tell you it's probably easier to
0: say what areas not to be in so i'm not investing in like denver or miami or washington dc where i can see skyscrapers i am like going on the outskirts of town or you know we will do infill lots we'll get we'll pick those up from time to time but those we call little tiny home runs we don't get as many of those but I like to go like an hour or 30 minutes away from the Walmarts and the McDonald's like that land that's just in the outskirts right now and what's really cool about that that might not have been so sexy a year ago but now since this whole COVID 19 thing we have seen an explosion of people wanting to buy land on the outskirts. I call that the recreational land. You know, they're going out to camp or they're gonna park their camper there for a couple weeks. They're going out to ride their folders and their dirt bikes or, you know, just have a place to call their own. So that's step one, pick the area that you wanna be in. And personally, I like areas that I'm interested in because if I get, I get stuck with the land, which I haven't yet, it's okay because we now own land. It's not going anywhere. Step two, get a list, get a list. So let's, let's look at low hanging fruit. Go ahead, Brandon.
1: Yeah. So I was going to say, let's talk about the list. There's so many options out there, right? So what would you recommend? Where do you guys typically get your list from?
0: So the first step, I would say there's a couple steps in getting the list. I like to go to low hanging fruit. And let me tell you about my dad. He's on like his 32nd or 33rd land deal. And my dad, just like not a big technology person, hardly can turn the computer on. But what he does- Sounds is like he, me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I saw that earlier.
0: <laughs> but what he does is he gets a tax delinquent list. And then he doesn't just mail the entire tax delinquent list because he's on a limited budget. But what he does is he looks for those people on the tax delinquent list that are like a couple years behind on taxes. And then he figures out what those addresses are. And he puts them on his little spreadsheet. He might not even have a spreadsheet, honestly, I, <laughs> but what well, I, I, I you winging it. Yeah. <laughs> he's winging it. <laughs> then he goes and looks and sees what the land's selling for at retail. Okay. And when I say retail, like just regular buyers buying a piece of land and then he's, he kind of looks at like the lower prices and he just assumes those are land investors. And then he offers a certain percentage 20, 30 cents on the dollar. Of what he's seeing retail value and he makes an offer he sends a letter hi mr brandon i see you own the land on 123 main street i'd like to buy it from you for you know 3752 dollars and 55 cents and they either sign that letter and send it back they call they fax it back they email it back they rip it up and throw away or they write f you on the letter and mail it back one of those are like that's so, that's all the action steps you're going to get from that
1: yeah that <laughs> that's exactly the response is no no uh nothing in between which is awesome sometimes you'll get a phone call of a real motivated person to to you know, yell at you over, over the phone. i forgot about that
0: sometimes they will call and yeah. it'll be two things you'll be speaking to a person that's happy with themselves yeah. or a person that's not happy like we always tr- be as nice as possible we can't make everyone happy but I just wonder if they call like Capital One when they mail them as well and cuss
1: them out. But just expect that. You're going to get people that are oh, of unhappy course. in this world. And treat it as like business is business. Don't get emotionally tied to it because after getting a couple of those negative calls, like it's not going to be the most productive day. If you really put your heart and energy into it, just realize that person's having a bad day and move on. So, so
0: true.
1: <laughs> so your dad is basically, and any students and, and yourself as well, you guys put you know, 20 cents on the dollar. So 20%, maybe 30% of what the lowest retail cost shows in the area. Exactly, exactly. Now,
0: granted, if we're in a high, like a more expensive area, like Colorado Springs, Colorado, like we will send an offer like 50 cents on the dollar because we've had to test. And here's the best way to test is sending out mail and tracking how many mailers you're sending out and seeing what the response is because you're not going to be completely accurate on your offers the first time you mail.
1: Yeah. And then as far as follow-up, you know, with mailers, typically I know for fix and flip and stuff like that, or wholesaling, sometimes you got to hit them maybe seven, eight, 10 times before they, you know, actually are motivated enough to respond back to you. Right. House is Follow up.
0: Houses, absolutely. We don't follow up as much on the land. We kind of mail them about every 12 weeks. Um, We'll mail them a different type postcard rather than an offer letter. But yeah, I mean, we have to talk sometimes some, there's some sweet, juicy, big, fat, like delicious, big money deals that we'll have to follow up a few times. And I say a few, like maybe nine, 10 compared to our houses. I've seen literally as many as almost 84 touches and 2 years on some properties some houses that we've done land not as much because there's just so much less emotion in it they didn't raise their children in the land On that land <laughs> they didn't have put in the land they didn't live in the land they didn't have to go and fix fix toilets for 10 years from their tenants that's what i've seen we saw that with one of our rentals we bought the guy was so emotionally attached to it because he fixed the toilets for the last 10 years like we don't have to deal with that with land yeah. and I don't understand it. It's just so much easier. I don't care to understand it. Honestly, that's why I love land because of the simplicity about it. Love
1: it. Okay, great. So you'll follow up maybe a few times, but you're not going to go excessive, right? Like is there a certain number before you guys are like, okay, enough on this. We're not going to send any more over here. We're going to jump into another zip code.
0: No, we'll follow up as long as there's chance. Yeah, we do, we are in eight counties. I did not start there, I only started in one. We're in eight counties, three states. You know, that gives us plenty of opportunity. We generally mail about, on average, we're mailing about 26 letters a day, six days a week. It's a very small amount of letters that are going out. Let me just do the math really quick. 26 times six, that's 156 a week, times four, $624 624 a month. Now, granted, we sometimes increase that. Like right now, we're having to increase that a little bit because we've sold so much land lately. And then every once in a while, we'll come across another land investor and we'll buy a ton of lots from them wholesale. So if we can slow down that mailing as well. But as long as we don't drop below 100 letters a week, we always have consistent deal flow in our land. I love
1: it, super and- intriguing. I. I didn't realize it was so profitable like this. So then finding your end buyer, right? Are you guys always putting it on the market right away? Or do you have like a buyer's list kind of put together at this point?
0: So in the beginning, I mean, when I was buying these parcels of land for $325, $280, I mean, Brandon, I was spending rent. And grocery money so i was like looking for a buyer the second i had that seller sign my purchase agreement sure. my land offer letter i like to call it the lol because yeah. sometimes i laugh when they come back but uh, we call it the land offer letter and we also send a postcard to you. but as soon as they agree like we are guerrilla marketing and getting land buyers to say yes i want it and Sometimes we get their payment, we get their down payment locked in, or if we're using a title company, we'll have them do a deposit. But now, now that I've kind of stabilized, (laughs) you know, we have the money in the bank, we'll buy land and we send the photographer out, you know, there's several steps. Sometimes we'll send the photographer out and sell it pre-sell it before we even own it. You know, we're just waiting for the deed to transfer or the seller to send us the deed and we record it or whatever. But yeah, you know, we, we try and get it sold as fast as possible because I still remember in the beginning when I was broke as a joke and I needed that $300 back or Emily,
1: my wife would be looking at me like, we got to buy groceries for the kids this week. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. So what's the difficult part here? Like where has some of the trouble been or that you've seen maybe some of your students just getting started? Like where are people struggling in this? It seems very, you know, plain. And I mean, there's really not too many moving pieces, right?
0: You know, that's like I'm not one of those people that look for what can go wrong um i just yeah. look like how can i do it so i want to say there's not a lot of difficult parts but there are difficult parts and i can tell you a couple examples but i would say in the beginning for me it was like just getting that tax delinquent list, when I saw it, literally, it was like 640 pages of schedule numbers and legal descriptions. And that made absolutely no sense whatsoever to me. So that was the most difficult part. Luckily, I had the sense, well, actually, my coach had given me the idea to go on upwork, I think at that time it was like called something else. but I hired a virtual assistant to help me go on to that assessor site and look at put that schedule number in there and get the seller's name rest, the landowner's name, address, you know, property address, That was the most difficult part for me. But thank God I was able to find somebody and I paid her $5 an hour. She used to be in the Philippines. She's actually now moved to the United States and I still use her today. I've been using her since 2016. So I would say that was the most difficult for me.
1: Yeah. Okay. And then when it comes down to other moving pieces, like what other things can you outsource to be able to make sure that this system really produces?
0: Short answer is everything. Everything's yeah. outsourced. So I know my land sales lady I actually just pulled up and is walking in her office. So I do have a local, my local, I call her my acquisition manager that buys land. She's here local. And then the disposition manager that sells our land, she's also here local. So everything else is pretty much overseas. Like I have a guy now that he makes sure all my land offer letters go out every single day. He also, when we're ready to go into another area or mail another area, he goes in and looks at exactly what the land's worth and figures out what the offer amount's going to be and then builds that in. So he is that machine that gets that mail out every single week. So 100% of it's automated and delegated, automated and delegated.
1: Okay, and then you said with letters, basically you said around like six hundred plus per month currently is what you're putting out there.
0: On average, yes. Yeah. Some some months more, some months less. It depends okay. where we're at in the sales.
1: And then with the KPIs, what does that return look like? Like how many are actually reaching back out to you? Um, okay,
0: so you're not gonna believe this, and if you'd like, I could share my screen. I just got my. Uh, my third quarter for 2020 KPI reports for land and houses. Hey baby, let's go. I'm excited. (laughs) So land marketing on the marketing side only of, of land. Let me just make this disclaimer. This is paying for all the marketing channels, plus the people that help us with those marketing channels. So virtual assistants, everything for every dollar we spend on marketing to sell this land, we bring in a gross enterprise value and what does that mean gross enterprise value is basically a contract um so down payment and then monthly payments for five years three years whatever we do we're very easy on our finance we try and make it work for the buyer because we don't want them to break their bank yeah so for every dollar we spend i know like I'm, i'm i'm leading you up to it this is not on the buy side I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but for every dollar we spend on sales marketing, we bring in $6,459, give or take a few dollars.
1: Get out of here. Third quarter
0: 2020. Get out of here. So we brought in roughly $358,000 added gross enterprise for the third quarter of 2020. Uh, I think we sold 47 parcels of land on the third quarter of 2020. So that's, what does that April, May, June. I'm sorry. No, that's July, August, September. That's third quarter 2020. Unbelievable. Say it one more time. 6,000 what? Like $6,459. So for every dollar we spend, you know, we're on all the land websites. Like we we spend lots of money. Now. We're on Facebook. Like we retarget. Like if you go to my land website to look at lands, You probably are not going to wake up Brandon today and and might be like, okay, we're going to buy land today. No, you're probably going to think about it. You're going to go on some websites. You're going to do some research. A year later, you might be buying land. I want these people that go on my website to be pixeled or retargeted on Facebook and Instagram until they buy from us. So they're going to see my ugly face or our land or our advertisement or, hey, here's the things you look for when you're buying land. Like we're trying to educate so we're out there spending money on the marketing side. Now for the buy side, for every dollar we spend, we wanna make sure we make $3 back. So if we spend $10,000 on a piece of land, we wanna be able to sell it for 30,000. If we spend $100, we wanna sell it for at least $300. So generally that's anywhere from 300 to about 2,800% ROI. On the buy side, so I can give you a quick example. We bought a piece of land for eight hundred. We
1: now have it on a contract sold for thirty-five thousand dollars. Wow, that is awesome. Good for you. I I love that. That's a. (laughs) It's definitely a victorious type of approach. (laughs) So very cool. What? uh, Shaving. Yeah. they definitely add up. So how many are you guys doing per month then? What does that look like? So our
0: best month, we actually sold 10 parcels in our best month. I've been through several land sales people. I know guys out there that have perfected the sales side. Like I'm just we're just a small guy. There's some dudes out there doing way better than that. You know, we generally average about six to nine properties a month being sold. So I think third quarter was actually one of our better months. But let me tell you this. I didn't start seller financing land until about April, 2018. So we're still, we're still in the business. We're still learning. Like, I mean, I'm teaching some guys how to do this and it's amazing. Like they find these amazing resources. So my students have even helped me and they're kicking butt doing, doing it a little faster than I'm doing it.
1: Yeah, that's cool, man. So averaging about six to nine per month. And that's, you rather keep it in-house, right? Like you rather hang on to these and do the financing over time because you can capitalize more?
0: Yes, absolutely. So we used to sell them and flip them for cash. And yes, it was great money. Like we do wholesale assignment fees for 30,000, 43,000, 13,000, quick money. However, I want to be able to still have money rolling in the door, whether we're on a three week camping trip around the country in our camper, or going to Florida, whatever. So at the end of the day, I don't want that huge up and down roller coaster, because each property will start over. I know that when we sell one, we're gonna be paid for a minimum of like 48 months, or a lot of them are 60 months. And we're out we're now toying with the fact now that we're doing bigger parcels of land, we're actually holding 30 year 30 year financing.
1: Are you, <laughs> because,
0: you know, think about it. If you buy a house for 200,000 and you borrow that whole 200,000 at 6%, you're going to end up paying like $400,000 for that house. So the interest is just crazy. Like it's just it, that monthly payment. And then <laughs> the cool thing That's is,
1: like, it's really looking like, you know, working like a bank, like thinking like a bank and and truly making some real big money, which is awesome.
0: Yeah, there's a reason why. They're the biggest building in every city and every state and usually the nicest building in town as well. So they've got something figured out.
1: <laughs> they do. And it sounds like, you know, you're not too far off. You're, you're right on track to, to be that next bank, which is pretty cool.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't want to be that big. I, I, I'd like to have life freedom. You know, once once uh, we hit a certain point, it's going to be like, let's go to Europe for a year. So yeah, once we hit 100K per month, it's going to be like, let's take a long, nice break. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. Okay, cool. So let me ask, as far as the skip tracing and all that stuff, after you get your list together from the virtual assistant and you have the numbers, emails, addresses, all that fun stuff, are you just uploading this list onto like a, a, a mailer type of, um, I know yeah. there's dozens of them, but yeah, I basically you're not writing hand, handwritten notes, are you? My
0: dad does. My dad yeah. is crazy, but he could send out like 10 letters and buy a deal. Yeah. Um, we're not that sniper approach. I use a mailhouse. So we take the uh, Excel spreadsheet that has the name, address, property address, and then we send that land offer letter, which the mailhouse already has it. So they put everything in there. They do a, it kind of looks something like this for our postcards. But I uh, wish I had an example actually. But they do a handwritten font on the outside, they physically place the stamp since we're only sending like, you know, eight, six to 900 a month, they can physically place the stamp on for us. And then hand, it looks handwritten. They're not handwriting it. Yeah, of course. That way the envelope gets open. And if they don't open that, they get one of these letters or these postcards as well, which is about half the price to send to resend that letter.
1: Yeah. I mean, they're very, um, they're very effective as well, right? Just the, the postcard. Oh
0: my gosh, yeah, we do not send anything but postcards for our house and business. I mean, we've bought 19 unit apartment complexes with a postcard. So, yeah, they're absolutely effective. And what's cool is people that won't open that letter might see that postcard, or people that just throw this postcard away might open that letter. It's crazy. It's actually one or the other. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's powerful, man. Cool. So, what other moving pieces are there? You know, when it comes down to purchasing, in the beginning, I guess it depends on your location, the price-wise, but what if you have some students that can't actually afford to purchase? They have a bunch of leads coming in, and and then what?
0: That's great, great, because I actually have a couple students that, like, they're just, like, tapped out. They can barely afford the mail, their handwriting everything. So what they do is basically get it under contract, and they will assign or wholesale that contract to someone that does have money. And how do they find these people? They find them on Craigslist, Facebook, buy-sell groups, real estate investor groups, real estate investor meetups. There's so much money out there. Like that took me a while to get over. Like there's so much money out there just waiting for opportunities. So that's one way. Let me tell you about my father's way. My dad has done manual labor his entire life. So what's really cool. He's taken land, like gave him the strategy and he's taken land. And I call it the bow strategy. Like it's my dad's like, Strategy. So what he'll do is he sends these sniper approach letters out on, I mean, geez, the stamps are what, 50 cents a piece. So what does he spend <laughs> like on 20 letters a week is like $10. So he sends these letters out. He, he just, he's buying one from Quebec, Canada right now. Uh, the guy is in Quebec, the land's in Florida. So he got it under contract. And then while he was waiting for the seller to take his deed that my dad sent him the deed. All he had to do was go to his bank, get it notarized and sign it and mail it back to my dad. Well, while my dad's waiting on that mail, he is actively trying to find a buyer for this piece of land on Facebook, you name it, like all over the place. And he's got something with the United States Postal Service for his post office box. He can tell they scan what's in his PO box. So when that deed shows up, he contacts that buyer and says, hey, let's meet at the courthouse at 3 p.m. I've got the deed and he tells him what's going on. He says, I'm just waiting for the warranty deed to come from Quebec. And as soon as I have it, I'll call you, you bring the money and I'll transfer you the property. So as soon as he gets it, he goes to the courthouse and the recorder's office, records that deed. My dad is now the owner of that land. And then buyer is standing there waiting. He gives the buyer the deed, buyer gives him the cash, he goes into the courthouse recorder with the buyer, they record it, make sure everything's good, my dad goes to Bank of America, which is right around the corner, deposits the cash or the certified check or whatever, cashier's check into his account, and then sends the money to the seller, and what's left over, my dad keeps in his pocket. I love it. And he just does it, it constantly over and over and over. Now I'm trying to get him to I'm trying to talk my dad into just getting a down payment big enough to pay that seller so he can now have 30 or 40 notes paying him every single month because I had to get away from that cash flipping thing because it was great money. Yeah, you're you're selling this land at a discount. Why sell it at a discount? Like the Ford F150 they're not selling that at a discount. They're just making that easy payments. They're making it to where the masses can afford that truck. And that's all we're doing with this land. We're not selling it at a discount, but we're making it to where the masses can afford
1: it. Yeah. And you'll capitalize greatly because of it. So it's awesome. I love that. Okay. Let's talk about your coaching how long you've been doing it. What does that kind of look like and how people can you know, reach out to you and kind of take action on that stuff. It sounds like a no-brainer. And I'm sure you have, you know, you supply probably some of the documents and so forth.
0: I love it. Thanks for asking that, Brandon. Yeah, I give away my entire system. I mean, geez, you can pretty much go out and do this right now from everything I just told you. So I've been coaching since June 1st of this year. So almost, almost six months. I've got some very successful students now. And that was That was a challenge, like not making the student successful, but in my mind, in my heart, knowing how to get them successful. So I built a course around 16 students doing this. And then now it's all video recorded. It's on modules. I give you step by step by step. It's not me training the actual student because I didn't want to take that long in the courses or the module, but I give you the access from A to Z in the modules and then we have a a weekly support call we have a facebook group boxer support where you can ask me questions on the fly you name it because i want my students to be successful and yeah i guess how to get in touch with me just go to thelandsharks.com and i'll spell it out for the guys listening to this on two x that's t-h-e-l-a-n-d-s-h-a-r-k-s.com thelandsharks.com And I'd love to jump on a call and help
1: you out if I can. I love that. That's so good. One other final question before we wrap it up here. I I totally forgot to mention, but when the leads are coming in, do you guys have like a call center or is it basically a lot just through email or, or how do you guys go about that?
0: So when it was just me as the acquisition manager, I would let it go to a voicemail because I was scared to death of these calls coming in. Like I had to be in the right
1: mindset
0: and certain time of the day, I had to have a couple of coffees or I could not take job or I couldn't take calls with my army job. I was an army officer. So I had like sometimes Fulbright colonels and I'd be... Like I'd be in a meeting, I could not get a phone call. So I would try and call them back on my lunch break or sometimes i go in the bathroom and the guy's are like, oh, Brent's doing another land deal. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, now we live answer. We try and live answer everything. I do have a team, it rings everybody. We don't have a call service. Those are people on my team because I don't want to waste a seller needing help on someone that's like pat live that they don't know my business is a script and now granted we can't take all calls live so we get back to people it sends us an email sometimes we're it's the weekend and we call them next week but what's cool is as these lols come in these land offer letters sometimes it just gets a little too much to handle at one time so we just file them in the desk drawer and get to them when we can but you know it's it's we're not perfect (laughs) yeah i
1: love that I love that, man. Awesome. Is there any other way how people can connect with you or, or just through the website? Yeah.
0: Facebook, Brent L Bowers. I'm on Facebook, Brent L Bowers. Same thing with Instagram and that's L as in Lima, Brent L Bowers. Yeah. Please reach out if I can help you. I'd love to. And this is so easy to add to your business or even build yes. a new business. I just had to re- replace my army income. You know, yeah. that was my biggest thing to get out of the military.
1: Yeah, get that time freedom back. I love it, man. And and obviously the finances are on point now as well. So that's always nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. we invest in buildings. We actually took land profits and we bought a commercial building, commercial office space that I'm actually standing in. It was a one year renovation project, and it helps us with tax benefits and you name yeah, it. Man. Like I won't pay taxes for like two years because yeah. this is an enterprise zone. <laughs> <laughs> so it was good stuff. We, we're now putting in commercial projects and things I wouldn't have even dreamed of five years ago.
1: I love it, man. I love it. That's uh, super inspirational and uh, just very motivating. So very excited for you, Brent. You are the man. I really do uh, greatly appreciate your time. And uh, I know the audience has as well. You just gave up, uh, you know, almost an hour of your time. Is there anything that we could do to give back to you?
0: no thank you so much ready set go you've already given so much i was listening to the podcast that you did with joe lawrence talking about business credit you're already doing so much so i've already received before i even got on here and i appreciate that so much i'm a big believer in the go giver the law of receptivity
1: so i've already gotten it so thank you so much thanks for having me and uh, it was a pleasure Awesome. All right, guys, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you want to leave a review after you listen to a couple, I greatly appreciate it for Ready, Set, Go, Real Estate Investing Podcast. It's been another episode. Excited for this one. If you guys have any questions, as always, you can always reach out to me on Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com slash Brandon Elliott Investor. And then if you guys need any type of credit repair done for you, it would be creditrepairmobile.com or credit education in general, looking to learn, get educated, fix your own credit, build up your own credit for personal and business, and uh, be able to leverage it successfully, just like we have, then where you're going to want to go is creditcounselelite.com. But anyway, till next Monday, we will see you next time. God bless. Appreciate you, Brad. God bless. Thank you.
0: This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.